I'm Nadine. And I'm Chrissy. And you're listening to Side Hugs. Your unofficial Duggar Snark podcast to help you help us feel better about talking shit about a weird ass family. This episode, we are discussing chapters one to chapter 10 of Ginger and Jeremy's new book, The Hope We Hold. That's right. We did it. We read through it. Every single stinking chapter of that. And um, we're going to let you know what we learned. This will be a two-parter. So next week, we're going to um, discuss, dissect, deep dive into the second half of the book. And um, trust us, like, we have thoughts, like, <laughs> um, about the quote-unquote breakout stars of the hit TLC show, Counting On, of course. Really, it's true. The humility just poureth forth from these two so chapter one how it all began here's the thing i don't think that ginger and jeremy realized that you don't have to write a memoir in chronological order you could start anywhere you want i i truly don't think that they realized that that was an option for them yeah and on and like the painstaking detail they put into some of their stuff in these first few chapters Mainly, Jeremy, I cannot stress enough how boring his, like, some of his passages were. I, I, I know. I mean, okay, listen, every, of course, like, everybody has a story, blah, blah, blah. But also, I really don't care about what Jeremy was doing when he was six, like, thinking about God in his yard. Like, nobody cares about that. And it's not, like, relevant to put in here. I, I really just do think this was this was a poverty of imagination type thing where they didn't realize like, Oh, how fucking exciting would it be if we started with our first glance or our first meeting or just something Mm. like interesting that we cared about instead of ginger starting the chapter or starting the entire book being, I come from a very big family. (laughs) Right. Always ask me about it. Don't you think we fucking got that from the past 15 years of specials and like, right. We know like, I know she talks about homeschooling. She talks about going to Jim Bob's businesses. Like we've literally seen that shit on the specials on the shows. She goes, she, she goes through great lengths to explain how, yeah. Like we, a lot of people ask us, are you Amish? How do you oh guys all do God. it all? And it's like, Ginger, please. Yeah. <laughs> begging you, please. Like, like um, if, if someone's reading this book, they've seen it all. They've seen it all, and I am actually going to chalk this up to also, in addition to poverty of of imagination, a lack of effort. I know that people are hard on Ginger and Jeremy about trying all these endeavors and then giving up, but this was phoning it in a little bit. Yeah, come out. They could have. They could have spiced it up more. They could have just done nonlinear storytelling. I think maybe they tried to by like. I think they thought they were doing something fancy by like you write a paragraph and I write a paragraph. Right. Because yeah, <laughs> like, because in the book they do they do they alternate between them and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. I will say like we so we knew about Jeremy's like quote unquote wild past. We did know about that. Yes. Um but I guess it was it was like a little bit interesting to kind of like read it from his perspective in more detail because he does talk about like throwing parties when he's a teenager and and his how his like popularity grows from playing soccer and going to public school i mean it also just like further just like supports the just how just annoying he is 
And to say the yeah, very least. Very incorrigible. So yes. incorrigible. That's yes, the good word that yes, I for yeah. sure describe him. Yeah. So yes, there are origin stories. Ginger goes through the whole song and dance about the 19 kids, people yeah. asking them questions. It's honestly all stuff we've seen before, except what I thought was interesting is yeah. we do get in writing the official narrative about the birth of barbecue tuna. This is true. We do. Um, Ginger talks about how uh, Jim Bob urges Michelle to go to a women's conference. Women's conference. I don't know. I don't even <laughs> want to like pretend that that's anything that is uh, good for womankind. But um, while she's while Michelle's gone, Jim Bob, you know, he's a dad. And in these circles, dads don't know how to take care of kids, apparently. So he, instead of making them dinner, the first thing he does is open a bunch of cans of beans and just like canned vegetables. And this is allegedly supposed to be their like nutritious dinner. But then he says, oh, you need protein. And so he opens up cans of tuna and slathers it with barbecue sauce and puts it on bread. And in Ginger's own words, this is like so... So delicious. I, okay. There was nothing not infuriating about that passage, but the craziest thing was before Michelle went out of town, she said she stocked the freezer full of frozen dishes. So why is this necessary? He literally is too, like, he cannot be bothered to, like, heat up yeah. the dishes. That is, like, too womanly of labor for him to engage in. He is above it. He is the man of the house. He said no. And he gave them green beans and he didn't bother to heat them up. This is what they no. ate. And, like, Ginger even says basically, like, oh, well, it's better this than nothing. I, I don't want to eat these lima beans. So I'll just eat this like weird tuna concoction. And and then she says to this day, if she's hungry, she opens up a can of tuna and uses barbecue sauce and crackers and just munches on it. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, but I did not take one for the team. I did not try this. No, we couldn't. No, and no. you can't expect us to, please. Yeah. I found the passage here if we want to go through it. So, um, so okay, yeah, here it is. Mom stocked the deep freezer full of meals before she left and even wrote out instructions for how each one should be prepared. Like, okay. it was all there for him. It was all there. Right. But then she leaves. And this is what Ginger writes. We sat down at the table to find cans of lima beans, corn, green uh -huh. beans, and potatoes sitting in front of us. Dad stood up with a can opener, cracking open the cans and pouring cold, undrained contents undrained. on our plate. This is why. I mean, for Jim Bob, like, I guarantee you, he he just, like, forgot to take any of these casseroles out, forgot to defrost them. And, and honestly, like, he's probably like, oh, this is easier. And that's so shitty. It also just feels like one of those things that we talked about before where he's being like intentionally fucking clueless, like hmm, as yeah. a joke, but also your kids are going like virtually like unfed or like yeah. so poorly fed that it would be better to go just like to sleep, yeah. you know, to sleep, just have sleep for dinner, sleep for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when faced with sleep or barbecue tuna and then, okay, there's one more thing about the first chapter mm -hmm. hidden and all the like fluff and yeah. color is 
Obviously, Ginger starts talking about how her best friend growing up was Jessa. Obviously, we know this. But there was this one example that, like, I feel like brought everything into, like, very sharp focus about, like, their exact dynamics and, like, what's going really going on behind the scenes. It's, um, oh, yes. So, yeah, Jim Bob talks about how – or Ginger talks about how when she was young – her dad was elected to the Arkansas House of Representatives, and every year there was this thing called the Lincoln Day Dinner. And he started by taking his, like, four oldest kids uh-huh. to go. And I guess, like, every year one other kid was added to the bunch yeah. because they were, like, old enough to sit down, be well-behaved enough, and just mm-hmm. kind of, like, be props for him to kind of, like, show around <laughs> to his, like, politician friends. And then the year that Jessa is invited. Ginger's also invited. Ginger. It's also invited, and yeah. Jessa gets, like, so pressed. Yeah, like, G- Ginger even, in the book, it says that she feels Jessa tense up beside her and say, oh, Ginger's is going to? Like, ex- like, what, her? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> her? <laughs> yeah. She was not fucking happy. But she also talks about how she was, like, obsessed with going, like, because she yeah. didn't, she wanted to be with Jessa, and she wanted this thing. Yeah. You know, I feel like it like started this pattern of, and we see it several times throughout the book. What Jessa has, Ginger wants. I like. Yeah. People joke a lot about like Ginger's personality, and um, I feel like my favorite one is Tofu is jealous of how bland she is, which is cruel oh, and mean. But yeah, I also yeah. think that she is one who does tend to like absorb the desires. Uh, yeah the like styles the patterns of those around her yeah i mean i i've seen people say that like she traded she traded jessa for jeremy or I yeah mean, yeah where's the lie we're gonna investigate right. we're gonna see if right. we can find it and i don't think it'd be able yeah to. um i know i mean like it's it's like normal to like look up to an older sibling or whatever but this definitely sets things up in the book for how she just like does seem to want to emulate Jessa in many ways. Fully, yeah. Yeah. There's also another, like, sort of theory that you and I have, like, talked about that was, like, yeah. semi-touched okay. upon here in this first chapter um, about the about the family regarding the production basically as, like, additional babysitting for the kids. Yeah, because we've said in the past that in those earlier days of, like, 17 kids, 19 kids and counting – it definitely seemed like more often than not, the younger kids were left alone with a camera in because like Michelle and Jim Bob likely viewed them as like substantial babysitters almost, you know, to keep their kids safe. And yeah, and in this chapter, Ginger says that eventually the cameramen and camera women felt like playmates to them. So like that can right. I'm sure they didn't come up with that language on their own. I'm sure it was Michelle and okay, I'm sure mm-hmm. Michelle and Jemba behind the scenes were, were like, it's so nice that you have more people to play yeah. with. And like, are you glad for your new playmates and all oh, this yeah. shit? Oh, Where it's yeah. like <laughs> totally, yeah, they're just like playmates, just a man on the job and these random children for whom he like technically has been assigned. No, not even technically, but like he makes his living yeah. filming and like right. following around. So chapter two is um again we cannot emphasize enough how much we do not care about <laughs> Jeremy's uh, origin story. His like talking yeah. about him growing up in fucking Pennsylvania. 
trying to like insert as much struggle into it as possible because like let's face it he had like a fucking fine privileged normal middle class life with literally no problems so very charmed life yes i don't know what the fuck he's going on about i know like his like yeah his dilemma is wanting to like allegedly wanting to be like saved when he's five years old and then i mean what as he gets older he has a hard time balancing like soccer being a soccer star and his faith like yeah well he really goes through legs to like prove to us that like no no he's like a really hard worker and he's super driven and like he's more driven than everybody else because he would wake himself up at five in the morning to drill do like practice soccer drills in his backyard which like totally i'm sure you did that from five to twelve like yeah on your of your own accord maybe you did but he's trying really hard to convince somebody here (laughs) yeah i agree um Yeah, so yeah, in this chapter, he also leans really heavily into his, like, you know, sinful past and, um, you know, being a teenager, throwing wild parties, and then the whole arrest thing, which I think a lot of people know about. Yeah, they definitely... Yeah, his arrest has been publicized because it's one of those things that, like, you. I feel like you, like, need to lead with. Yeah. Because, like, you can't... It can't be, like... He knows it would be worse if he ne- didn't mention it and people like oh, dug yeah. it up for him, you know? Oh, he's yeah. So, so he had to literally like craft it into this narrative about how he positions it as like the central turning point of his life, which like. <laughs> I feel like the turning point is when he could like go no further with soccer and then went to like ministry. That's Damn. the turning point. Well, <laughs> that's not and wrong. We'll get, that's and not we'll get wrong. into that and we'll get into that. And yeah. also we'll get into this later, but like his past isn't even the biggest concern for Jim Bob, which Jim Bob, like according to Jim Bob, which is pretty great, pretty wild. Yeah. That's definitely the weird part. Um, Yeah. He also, the thing that I, the thing that like is so like, was so tedious about this book is for obviously Jeremy, Um, obviously Jeremy's just way of talking about himself is like, it's a lot to take in. Because he does this thing where where he's just like it's just it's like it's literally self-aggrandizing where he's like I don't know why but I guess I was really popular and I guess people really liked me for some reason and so they invited me to a lot of parties and it's like uh-huh. yeah Jeremy we know how high school works like we all went to high school right you know like we know that like there are people who threw like you know like we know that you are probably yeah. like. You, you were probably a dumb jock and you were well liked, but he's explaining all of it to us as like, as if it's a great mystery to him, you know, that like, and also as if he like gained social status, like fully not of his own accord. Like it was just like a happy accident that happened to him through no like effort of his own, you know, he, people just like bestowed it upon him. Yeah. You know, he can't help it. It's not his fault. You know, the people love him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's very much yeah. that. His okay, so his arrest in college, his official yeah. like um what he was arrested for was um I looked this up, it was harassment of a police officer and his and he was drunk at the time. His blood alcohol level or count or whatever was point thirteen. I don't know, is that bad? I don't know. Point Yeah. I mean it's not the worst that I've been, but it's it's like a couple drinks in for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't know. According to Google, it it's in the range of being 
quite high. So I guess that's a big deal. Um, but I mean, I don't know. He, he allegedly uses this, whole, like you said, he says this is like a turning point. He uses this as a way to start a chapter of the fellowship of Christian athletes at his college. Right. Which was like his big introduction into like pursuing God as an adult. But okay, wait, I just like wanted to see something about his yeah. Oh, okay, here it is. Here's also the thing about him. Like, he talks about his arrest, and he's, like, obviously ashamed of it, but he can't, like, there's some part of him that still can't take, like, full responsibility for it, and he's trying to make it seem like he was doing something noble and, like, defending this girl and his group actually he's like there's this pa- the pa- passage where he's like no, no no actually i did it because like this guy was staring at a girl in our group and like i had to do it to like defend her because like this guy was being a creep to her so i fought him and like that's how the altar like you know like even that like he can't just say like yeah i was got into this dumb fight when i was a kid and i accidentally got arrested like he has to be like right no no i did but i was doing it for like a really good reason bro you don't know like you know like, yeah yeah to- yeah like Right, like it would be more it would be more admirable if he just owned up to it. Yeah, and also like the 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 rationale is fit. Like so this guy is there staring at a girl, doesn't talk to her, doesn't do anything. He's outside and Jeremy goes outside and asks him, like, hey, do we have a problem, man? And that's how this mm-hmm. whole thing starts. And that's not yeah. even what he got arrested for. He got arrested because when the cop came to break it up, he started like grabbing on the cop, which mm-hmm. like listen, I've been arrested before. I was I was smart enough to surrender immediately, get my ass in that paddy wagon, and go to jail because I was like, I am not right. incurring any more charges right. after this. It's over. No, <laughs> um, he was just literally being like an idiot and drunk, and he was like actually belligerent. But in his head, he still has to frame it as like, I'm a cool guy, you know, I'm a good guy. Yeah. Uh huh. I was doing it for a good I reason, know. and yeah, we're gonna go with we don't fucking believe you. <laughs> No, no way. No. Um, okay. The next chapter has a couple of ginger history moments that really stood out to me. I know. Yeah, this was interesting as like a longtime observer of this family. Yeah, exactly. Like it, there was a lot of like meta commentary on like Yeah. Yes. And why. And like there are like a couple things that I didn't know. Um then there are other ones that was just like, oh, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, right. One of the things Ginger talks about in chapter three is those double thumbs up. Everybody knows about the double thumbs up. That was her Ginger's double. Yes. Yeah, her signature thing. And she actually sort of admits this in this that she doesn't really know why she did it initially, but that she never lived it down. And she kind of always had to do it for her during her adolescence. Whenever people saw her, they would do it to her in the street and they would ask her to do it to them, like quote unquote fans. Oh God. That is um, mortifying. Like I know is, it's not a big yeah. deal, but when you're 14, like of co- everything's a big deal. And that like just makes you want to like crawl into I a know. hole, I'm sure. I know. Okay. The other thing, so she mentions or she references she addresses the whole <laughs> the whole ginger being the rebel dugger and she rebels against the rebel dugger's yes. name yes and i think this is just like retconning her behavior and persona from when she was a kid and just like downplaying it so much Oh, that's so interesting. I did not have that take on it. Okay, i thought it was i thought it was cuz she talks about like um 
like she says like, oh yeah, I once made a comment about wanting to live in a big city and all of a sudden people thought I was the the rebel dugger and she mentioned seeing entire Reddit threads, which, okay, what are you doing on Reddit? <laughs> I um, know. Yeah. And so I thought it was kind of her being like, no, no, I, I am obedient and I've always been obedient. And this was, this was just like, you know, these are baseless claims of me being a rebel. How, how did you see it? Okay. I kind of saw it as like, I think that the snark community may have genuinely misread okay ginger's like motivations and personality like just from what we've seen so far because i feel like there's always been two competing notions of who ginger is and the first and most prevailing one initially was like free spirit she's a rebel yeah there was an entire forum called free ginger and before she turned 18 they had raised enough money to like fund her first year away from home like and pay for her rent like it was like an insane amount of money right it was unreal and it was all fueled by like her indicating that she by her basically not having the same interests as the duggars like she right always had more like urbane like like sophisticated almost mm-hmm. interests like she like cities she like coffee but like more like indoor right. things like in pretty sharp contrast to the duggars but i think that in recent years, as we've seen more of her through Counting On, there's been this other, like, theory that's prevailed about Ginger of basically, like, her being, like, literal blank slate. Like, a tableau rosa for Jeremy to do whatever he wished to her and make her, like, transform her into whatever he wanted. Right. And... I think that from what we see in the book, like, I'm sure it was probably, they're both pretty opposite theories, but there's so much more evidence in this book for Ginger literally being this anxious, obsessive, terrified, like, people pleaser. I was just going to say, people pleaser, yeah. She calls herself that, like, outright. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I think it's a case where, like, she has these, like, predilections that people perceive as highfalutin or something you know right but actually what people think now and what she says outright is like this is a girl who is like desperate for any validation Mm -hmm. she can get and i actually think she was like kind of scared of people perceiving her as a rebel because she thought that like that would cause her family to treat her differently or that would cause like actual problems for her at home yeah i mean i could definitely see that so like so then Everyone was basically just like grasping at straws, pretty much. Out, everyone, like in terms of like the fandom or non-fandom, like that. You know, we saw a little difference in some of the yeah. other, yeah. And we're it, just like, oh well, you know, she she must she must be different than everybody else, and you know, want to break free, so to speak. Which she feels like she does have different interests, like yeah. clearly that are pretty like diametrically opposed to like to someone like joy who's like we are in arkansas we hunt in the ozarks you know we go and i feel like the duggars generally are more like inclined towards that sort of those activities those attitudes and stuff like that so in that sense she is different but i think that we were like reading a lot of just like specific intent to like literally break free yeah into into those likes that i really just think were like preferences like Mm -hmm. preferences that didn't mean anything um I think that that is the extent of her divergence with her family right. was like these like very superficial likes about like aesthetics yeah. and activities, you know? And like you said, like she was essentially like a blank slate. And if you've ever seen somebody in different relationships who they're like relationship chameleons, they that's just, exactly yeah. And that's what she is. Granted, she's only in one relationship, but her other quote unquote relationship with her sister, Jessa she I was, mean, that was, yeah. that was like the most right. significant relationship that she had. Jumps from that to Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that yeah. Out. I think uh, like, obviously 
comments can be converged on the mean side and the cruel side and the funny, you know, they're funny. But like, I don't think Ginger would argue with a characterization of her as someone who, yeah, is like very concerned about what others think about her and very like willing to adjust her behavior to to gain acceptance yeah she does she says multiple times in the book like that when she would do something that made michelle happy she would just thrive on that praise like she loved it and like you said people pleaser exactly i'm sure she must have hated all the hoopla about her as a reddit dugger because like one, it wasn't true. And two, it jeopardized her getting more of that acceptance and validation. I know, yeah. Family, you know, damn, we really had it in for her then. But like also, when were you on Reddit? And how recently were yeah. you on Reddit? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this is also proof that like they, this family is not and has never been oblivious to like what right. we are saying they are. Yeah. Despite it all, they know it's up. They have their finger on the pulse in terms yeah. of their own image and they're willing to counterbalance that when necessary. You know, I just For like, sure. they're on Reddit, they're trolling and they have fake accounts and yeah, <laughs> I know they're there. We, we, yeah. we know you're there. Um. And um, welcome and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, uh, okay. The one other thing in chapter three, this is something I feel like you probably knew about because it seems like, you know, way more than I do. <laughs> but I did not know about the diary incident. Did you know about this? I did know I, we I did know about the diary incident. We never had official confirmation that it was hers. Okay. So but because me, yeah. people thought that it might have been a fake, but now we know for sure Right. This is something that happened and it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for people who don't know, Ginger talks about always having stranger like literally strangers in another house like who just want to get to know them who are curious about them and they have this college student visit from i think they said like colorado or something mm-hmm. and they give her a tour of the house and you know it all goes well she leaves whatever like a week later a few days later they see ebay an ebay listing for ginger's diary that this girl took and is trying to sell for a hundred thousand dollars and ginger says she knows it's hers because she noticed she like recognizes the 10 year old boy handwriting that she says she has she says that's that's the most embarrassing part for her no it was not yeah she's Um, she says something like she's like most girls my age might dot the hearts with eyes or something like that which michelle does um (laughs) big old age yeah but yeah she says the most embarrassing part is that um her yeah her handwriting is terrible okay i cannot imagine like that would be horrifying if i yeah found out that my diary was for sale for a hundred thousand dollars and yeah and and i think ginger says the ebay listing has like a page a photograph like a photo of one of the pages of the diary and ginger says like nothing really super interesting was in there but when jim bob you know contacts the girl who listed it and like threatens legal action she sends the diary back and says that she never read it and ginger's like well you know obviously that's not true (laughs) you opened it (laughs) yeah exactly um even if it's nothing juicy like i wish i could know what was in there come on yeah i do want to know obviously it's already out there and you were telling i know go on um yeah (laughs) yeah oh also she does say that like with the diary the the girl from colorado sends a taped 
apology yeah. on a DVD to say like, oh my god, we're actually really huge. I'm a really huge fan. Sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. I just like loved you, and I like yeah. That's a word. That's that's what we're gonna do when we get like threatened with like a cease and desist. We're gonna be like, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they got the diary back, and maybe we'll never know what's in it, and maybe we don't need to know. But I do yeah. want to. I know. I'm curious. Um. All right. Um. So I gotta be honest. Chapter four is Jeremy's chapter, and it's very soccer centric. It is a story about how he got traded from team to team to yes. team because surprise, surprise, oh my god, I guess he's not that good at soccer. Turns yeah. Out. <laughs> oh my gosh. And okay, I said this before. Like, so he talks about grappling with the choice of like, do I continue in soccer or do I pursue like a career in ministry? And then he says, like, I, I pray to God and and you know, and all of a sudden, like a team wants him. He's like, "Oh, that must mean that that I'm meant to pursue soccer. That I'm meant to keep going for soccer." But I, this is reading to me is like, "Oh, well, ministry is my backup. So once I fail at soccer, then I'll go to that." And me failing at soccer means that God's telling me it's time to become a minister. Wow! I wish that I could take all my failures as a sign that I'm actually like not supposed to be doing that thing. And God is, what, what if I told my boss at work, "I'm sorry, I failed at this project." God right. is actually telling me that it's a good thing because I'm not actually being called here. Yeah. Actually, what this is showing me is that God God is leading me elsewhere. Thank you for, for yeah. the opportunity. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. You you know what's so crazy is like he obviously acknowledges that he has a he had a short career, but he probably retired at 26. And you know his friend Luis Robles, who he talks about in yeah. this chapter, is like Luis, okay, well here's the tea on Luis. It's like he basically replaced him on the New York Red Bulls and booted him off the team because he was so much better at the job than Jeremy was and Luis just retired this year and they're like the same same exact well I think he's older actually he had a 10-year career he's 36 wow his literally ended prematurely like all of course all professional sports careers end early relative to like other non-sports careers but Jeremy's ended particularly early. Yeah, like I don't know any things about sports, but yeah, judging from everything Jeremy's saying, like he was not cut out for this. He no, no. and there's no shame in admitting that. Like, ju- like yeah, you know, it doesn't annoying, have to turn into a career. You're right. Like the annoying part is he could never admit like oh, yeah, this didn't work out because, like, my skills weren't up to par. Instead, he frames it as, like, it didn't work out because I was being called so fervently to serve the Lord. Right. And, like, my heart was being, like, torn in two over my, like, conflicted passion, and obviously the Lord went out over soccer. And I feel like that's a less than completely honest account of what occurred. Yeah, absolutely. Humility. (laughs) It doesn't know it. Never matter. Nope. <laughs> All right. So the next chapter is Ginger again. And this, you didn't know about this. No, no. Okay. I don't think that anybody I, like no, I don't ever so got any like official word on this. And I was like, I wasn't surprised that they kept it in because they clearly need something to kind mm-hmm. of like reveal in this or to keep us interesting. They need to temper all of the like insane Jesus fluff with like actual substance. So Some kind I of, guess like bombshell. Right, right. Just some, like truly, what else would they have like written about in headlines if they hadn't revealed this? You know? Yeah, because I have seen this written about. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this they, is like they one of the big takeaways. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. 
Okay, so for those who don't know, um, Ginger in this chapter reveals a lot about having like anxiety. She doesn't call it anxiety, but it's clear anxiety. And she essentially admits to having an eating disorder, which she doesn't say it's an eating disorder, but the description of what she went through is very clear. Yeah, there's no ambiguity. There's no even attempt to like, she basically explains fully what it is and then doesn't call it like, you know, call it what it is. She doesn't call it. But I mean, this clearly was like the most vulnerable chapter in the book. Like I'm not like faulting her for that. Like it sounded intense and it also like, sounded rough yeah so in as far as the um you know anxiety theory i guess goes you want to read an excerpt from it okay so she says during the day fears endlessly scrolled through my mind i worried constantly about whether people liked me or what they thought of me or if that thing i had said sounded stupid i felt a constant drive to be perfect the perfect daughter the perfect sister the perfect friend the perfect christian i wanted mom and dad to think well of me and one mistake was enough to devastate me Oh, I failed. I failed. I thought over and over. I told myself my thoughts were normal. I was a people pleaser. All teenagers worry about what other people think. I didn't want to admit that selfishness was taking root in my heart. Every desire to please others and make a good impression all came down to me, me, me. It wasn't satisfying. It was exhausting. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, clearly she says it herself. She is a people pleaser. We get it in black and white. There it is. Yeah. Also, this really like you could not get more textbook like anxiety spiral than this mm-hmm. right like, because she says so in this one she says like during the day her fear scrolled to her mind and because she says at night she's like worried about so much too and that is very real like personally like anxiety hits me way worse at nighttime like you just think of everything yeah i mean it, it's like oh god it's so i don't even know what the word for it. is like reading this is like I'm unused to reading shit like this mm-hmm. and it not delving into like an open and honest yeah. discussion about like, and then I access mental health treatment. And then, you know, I learned these strategies immediately. She goes into like berating herself even more. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking about me, 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 because it's clear that she's imbued such a like moral dimension to this. And she thinks of it as like a failure of her Christian duty to like, you know, put her mm-hmm. faith in God and think about other people, which is like probably what she got a shit ton of. And what we can see here that like, that was like the primary yeah. kind of salve to all these worries was like, just trust in God, which is not like, not unimportant, you know, it can be helpful, but it can't be the only, yeah. And that's the whole point of the mm-hmm. book that like, it is the only thing that matters. Like God is the only thing that matters. It's like the most powerful thing in the world, but it's like, clearly she's still someone who has some of these tendencies like sure yeah yeah because she says that the thing that quote-unquote changes her is like crying out to god on the floor of the prayer closet and the big house and like that's what helps her in the end but even people who are religious people who are christian or people who believe in god like i feel like a lot of people also appreciate and understand the need for you know mental health treatment yeah it's like it's not that it's unhelpful it's that it's the only avenue that was available to help her Mm -hmm. as a dugger at this time yeah like that's like the fucked up part about it It was like right she found it it kind of feels like she found help in literally the only way she was able to which was by like Mm -hmm. using it like a spiritual influence a spiritual like crutch sort of so to speak to right to lean on but it's like there was nothing else that she could have done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Really, right. Like, there's nothing wrong with, like, if you're a religious person, there's nothing wrong with, like, leaning on your faith, especially during these times. But yeah, like you said, like, the problem is that that's all, that's all she was given. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, it is so fucking infuriating when, like, a mental health issue is framed as, like, her fault, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The anxiety was framed as, like, the result of, oh, this is what happens when you only think about yourself all yeah. day. This is what you get, you know? Right. This is, yeah, that's her thinking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that she gets into in this chapter is, like you said, the eating disorder. Um, She talks about, you know, feeling she says she looks in the mirror and she feels like she's getting fatter by the day. And um, she starts skipping meals, eating smaller meals. She says she doesn't like the person looking back at her in the mirror. Eventually Michelle takes her aside and tells her healthy ways to maintain like a healthy weight. And like, it sounds good. It sounds like good. You know, she's being present, but like, weren't there rumors? I don't know about confirmation, but like rumors about Michelle going, attending Weight Watchers meetings with some of the girls when they were teenagers. Yeah. So yeah, Michelle used to go with Jana most frequently, I believe to Weight Watchers and they would film it sometimes. And they would like, it was on TLC. It was like an open thing. Michelle herself also struggled with bulimia bulimia as a teen. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that obviously not that they bonded over this, but clearly I was actually sort of impressed by Michelle's like very baseline positive response to ginger, like baseline motherly response to ginger, which was like expressing concern, not pushing her on it, but being like, so they set up this thing where ginger would text her mom every day, what she ate that day. And Michelle would just check in to see. And like, obviously like inarguably that's a good thing. And like, that's like called mothering and like good job, Michelle for doing your job. Yeah. Um, But it's also good that like ginger had someone with whom to discuss that with. And that, Ginger also emphasizes that it wasn't like her mom was telling her, like, you need to eat tater tot casserole every day. Right. Like, it seems like she kind of could eat what she wanted as long as it was, like, as long as she was eating. Yeah. Um, and she also talked about how she, like, weaponized the Duggar very late wake-up time. But she would basically, like, wake up as late as possible and then yeah. have a coffee and then, like eat before dinner like a snack and then so everyone can see her and then at dinner she can be like oh i just ate like i just had a snack remember right um yeah girl was sneaky eating Uh, disorder um um, brain really uh yeah on a ride um you know thinking about michelle going to weight watches meetings and you know possibly struggling with her own body image issues or weight as an adult like i do wonder if some of that rubbed off on ginger then you're completely right yeah. because now that I'm thinking about it, like I remember there being like a film thing on an episode about Michelle talking about, obviously she's pregnant all the fucking time. Yeah. And she was talking about how she lose, how she tries to lose weight after every pregnancy. And she shows the camera. She's like, what I do is I have a, like a protein veggie patty on an English muffin for every meal, basically until she loses the baby weight. So for like three months out of the year, she's eating a like a veggie right. sausage on a muffin yeah. three or four, like two or three times a day. And like, who knows God, like who knows uh-huh. what else? And she's like, yeah, this just helps me like shed that excess weight so I can get down to my pre. Like clearly that's and not her- like, yeah, uh, that's disordered. That's a disordered eating pattern. You're only sure. eating one yeah. food over and over right. and like eating it specifically to like change the way your body looks. Like that's like yeah. the definition of that. So 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's shitty. And it was like, attitudes do get passed down. And maybe you're right that Michelle wasn't the best point of contact to go to about how to like, have a good relationship to food and eating. Right. But it was what was there. I know. (laughs) What she had. That's all she had. And it's like, I know. It's like, we want to be like, I guess it's better than nothing. But also it's so like, who knows if it's doing more harm than good. We don't. Ginger clearly has no interest in actually being introspective about whether it did or didn't, you know? I know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So chapter six is called Lonely in Laredo. And it focuses a lot on, like, how lo- allegedly lonely Jeremy is. He's in his 20s. He's, like, desperate for life, okay? He can't stop talking about it. He talks to his friends. and he, But he has very specific, like, expectations for this m- imaginary wife. Um, he tells his friend, I want someone who's passionate about Christ, someone who will follow the Lord whenever he, wherever he leads us, someone with a servant's heart. And who I will find, who I will find attractive too. Okay, but then yeah, he writes in his journal, "Lord, bring me a partner, please. One who's in love with Christ, one with a visible passion, humble, meek, meek. To, yes, I know, willing to forsake all to follow wherever you lead us. Not consumed with money and comfort, a wartime mentality, a servant, strong in faith, walks consistently by faith, lover of children." physically attractive to me (laughs) disciplined healthy lifestyle acquainted with the type of christianity i'm striving to live okay what the fuck does a wartime mentality mean i don't know how does that square away how can you be meek and like these things are just like literally i feel like this is every buzzword he's ever heard in a sermon about like men and women he's just like yeah that'll work that'll work that'll work except for he inserts attractive like in like seven different ways i know okay in a different context it could mean something different but when the words physically attractive to me disciplined and healthy lifestyle are all grouped together like that in a list about your attributes for wife it means he wanted a fucking hot skinny blonde wife Uh uh blonde mate okay blonde or brunette it's like or redhead sure but it's like basically he keeps saying like no she needs to be hot and like she i would prefer that she'd be thin yeah disciplined and healthy lifestyle like in that order Mm -hmm. in on this list like he's he's like not admitting it but like he's not fooling anybody we know exactly what you mean jeremy we can read between the lines and like okay yeah obviously like you want to be attracted to your partner okay yes Yes. but like you said like he lists these things together yeah and it just shows like like whether he wants to admit it or not like how much importance is on the hotness Yes, yes yeah it's there in a way that like I think, yeah, would embarrass most people to just have it, like, listed down there in writing, just, like, Mm -hmm. staring back at you, where it might, again, trigger some shred of introspection, being like, hey, like, what's actually important to me? Like, you know, but no, it's not there. Nope. Speaking of, he, (laughs) apparently there's this other girl who he met through his, like, ministry work that, um... Her mother really wanted to set her up with Jeremy. And mm-hmm. like Jeremy says like multiple times, she's perfect on paper. She loves the Lord. She has all these qualities. <laughs> but one thing, I'm not physically attracted to her. Yeah, And he's like, oh, poor girl. Apparently like 
Yeah, there's one point where he even like says not in so many words, but basically like, oh, maybe I should settle for her because then I'll finally have a wife. And then his mom expressly forbids yeah. him to pursue this girl yeah. because he's like, I, I can't condone you marrying someone you're not attracted to. And it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not sitting here saying that you have an obligation to be attracted. Obviously, nobody's telling you to do that. But the fact that like, he goes on and on about how perfect she is, except for this one little thing about her that he can't get over. Like, how would you feel if you're that girl reading this being I like, know. oh, yes, I have every quality that like a guy could ask for, like every godly quality that like a Christian man would be interested, except um, I'm not physically attracted I to know. this person. I know. And I was on standby for years, basically, while he made up his mind about Ugh. it. Like. Ew, it's so entitled. I hate it. I know. It's so annoying. Honestly, I think that's like off first of all, it'd feel awful to read. Second of all, it's like awful of Jeremy to keep this girl basically as a backup for years while he like waits to see if somebody better comes along that he's actually is up to his physical standards. Like I'm honestly surprised he even included it because like no matter how he says it, it makes him look like it's such an asshole. But it's just that shit where I don't think that like he's not self-aware yeah it's like he doesn't think it'll actually i can't imagine that he would include anything in this book that he Uh thinks makes him look bad even though which is like like, even worse i know yeah Yeah. like he thinks it's okay yeah yeah but we also get so much of this like the showing your assness of it you know yeah like yeah discerning readers can see we can see we can tell we can see right through you you know what's up you can't pull one over on us no (laughs) um okay so another thing that happens in this particular chapter is this is when he meets ben and jessa he meets them at the same time at like a get together at his at jeremy's house um Mm -hmm. he says he notices jessa first with her uh like signature skirt and long hair like okay like seeing her from across the room but okay like love it for a okay i'll stop okay um him and ben like he says they hit it off they became they exchange phone numbers and they text each other regularly and they ask like what can i pray for like what can i pray for for you about or whatever and jeremy brings up more than once that he wants to find a wife and he hopes ben can help him like hmm, do you know any girls if you happen to know any of them, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Um, and then the chapter ends with Jeremy meeting the Duggars at like one of the uh, big Sandy conferences. He claims there are no immediate sparks with Ginger and no magic, but he's like interested, I guess. Damn. Yeah. What do you love to be described that way by your loving partner I know. for life? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, didn't think anything ever. Nothing special. Didn't feel a thing. I know he's so like. <laughs> He's a matter of fact about it. I don't. I, even yeah. if it's even if it's true, <laughs> I know. I know. I would not have approved that. No. All right. In the next chapter, Ginger Jeremy like it does describe their first meeting, but Jessa talks up Jeremy to Ginger by telling him that she, he ha- he wears those sweaters she likes. So basically, like. A cardigan. A male, yeah, masculine, like, cardigan. Cool. Ginger claims she's in no rush to get married um, because, apparently, at this time, guys were, like, coming around a lot, sending things to the family, sending weird packages to the the different available Duggar sister women. 
one sent a Yankee candle to Jana, wrapped over and over in like multiple boxes in a box in a box in a box. Okay. Kind of a rushing nesting doll. Yeah. <laughs> um, another guy drove all the way from Canada to ask Jim Bob to court one of the sisters. He did not get permission to court any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Ginger says that almost every time a guy showed interest in her, she would say she wasn't interested, which is, I don't know. I guess just none of them were as cute as Jeremy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I also think it's like, I I would take the Yankee candle and then I would say thanks, but no thanks. You know? <laughs> like yeah. I could, yeah, give me I the gift. Yeah, I don't think I'd be super interested in, like, these strangers um, yeah. who saw me on TV. Except for, to a certain extent, that's what all of them except for Austin did, you know? But, yeah, uh, yeah. no, I mean, I, I just wouldn't be too interested in, like, literal randos, like, actually. Right. No way. I know. But I think that I, I would venture to guess that, like, they had a pretty good grip going with accepting these gifts, being like, yeah. hey, like, I, I, you know, could use a I know. Candle. Like, I right. appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the effort. Maybe said a couple more. I'll think about it. I know. Um, So then Ginger says, like, she gradually starts to warm up to the idea of getting married as, like, Jessica gets married. Her sisters are, you know, she says she's starting to feel lonely. Um, You know, Jill's married. And so then um, she says that Jessa says Jeremy is a nice looking guy and wants to basically hook them up together. And as soon as Ginger sees him at Big Sandy, she's like... She thinks he's super hot. I mean, she doesn't say it, but that's very much what it seems like. She's interested. She's interested at first sight, even if Jeremy isn't. I'm going to save the rant for part two because it's coming and I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So that concludes part one of our discussion of the hope we hold. Um, Next week, we will finish with the second half. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So follow us on Instagram at SideHugsPod. Sign up for our Patreon. Um, leave us some reviews. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, until then, snark on mother duggers. <laughs>